Knockout Ginger episode 14 with Jessica Ackerley, guitar player, composer, band leader, improviser, rock and roller, Canadian living in Brooklyn. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. You're from Edmonton? No. close to Edmonton? I went to school in Edmonton, but I'm from Eritrea, Alberta, which is just north of Calgary. I see. Yeah. Um, And then you moved here. No. That's a whole story. That's actually a good place to start because I've actually um, lived in a bunch of different places like for over a decade. Um, So I grew up in Eritrea. I moved to Edmonton to do my two-year music diploma at College, and then I transferred over to St. X in Nova Scotia and Anaganish, Nova Scotia, and did my two years there. And then I moved to Toronto. I lived here for a year and I worked. And then I moved to New Jersey and did my master's. And then I moved to New York. So you moved to New York in 2013. Right. Oh, yeah. right. So we moved there the same year. Yeah, we were we're in New York, New York the same year. Yeah. Um, I just graduated and I moved to Brooklyn. Um, 2013. So I've been in New York for just over six years now. Yeah. It's a long time. It is a long time. I it's gone by fast. Yeah, it flies by. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I could handle another year. I, I think a break was pretty necessary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel that too. Um, like I always like I love it there, but I always think about like my exit strategy yeah. and the work that I need to do there so that I can still have it as a viable resource yeah. for music, but also just thinking about like when I'm getting older, how abrasive the city is and how exhaustive the lifestyle can be with like the trains, riding the trains every day and the noise and the people and stuff. So that's definitely yeah something that I'm thinking about long-term. <laughs> Super crazy, like, yeah. And then, but I don't know. I definitely see myself moving back at some point to new york or toronto to new york yeah i mean when i was living in toronto i always had the intention of going down and doing my master's and then when i was on my opt i just wanted to live in new york for a year and then move back to toronto like that was my original plan um but i had a really tough time the first three years that i was in new york so the first year I knew I didn't get anything done that I wanted to do because I was just dealing with the craziness of just trying to get settled. And unfortunately, with like a city like New York, um, it takes twice as long to get any sort of grasp or like bearings in terms of where you fit in with it all. And I never felt like I did what I needed to do in that city. So that's why I never came back to Toronto. But, um, when I lived in Toronto for a year, I guess like it's almost a decade ago, 2008 was when I moved to Toronto. Uh, within a month, like I loved it and I loved the musicians that I was playing with and uh, they were all like grads and grads that just got out of school around the same time as me and like we were playing sessions a lot. Mm. And um, I just like had a lot of love for the musicians and what they were doing here. And um, 
I always thought in the back of my head there would be some sort of t- intention of moving back here. But as time goes by, yeah. I'm realizing my roots are getting deeper and deeper uh, down in the States. And now it's tougher to imagine moving back here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had the, I had the intention of moving back here too. And then it mostly just happened because it had to. Like, that's why I made the decision. Um, but I'm happy to be here, I think. Yeah. Um, you're playing... Well, this will not be out before tonight. No, so. <laughs> but I'm playing the Transact tonight. <laughs> you're playing the Transact tonight. Are you doing a solo set? I am. I've been, I set a goal this year of playing one solo set a month because I realized that um, playing solo is a really... Um, vulnerable vulnerable place to put myself in musically and I feel really exposed doing it Um, and so since January I've been trying to get out there and just like play solo at least like once a month and also kind of work on like my focus while I'm performing in that setting because you don't really get a mental break and you don't really get a physical break and you're always um thinking about like the next thing and the thing that happened before while trying to be present in the moment and like everything, like all the musical elements are like so involved with uh, what you're creating in the moment. So even though this album that I released was a quartet record, I worked some of it into solo material and then I also have some new solo material that I've been working on um, just because I wanted to challenge myself with that and put myself out there more and um, push myself into areas of music that I feel like weak in and um, also just like build my confidence too in my right. playing and um, lay my deficiencies out there too. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I've been trying to play a little bit more solo also and it's yeah. like, I think that feeling of like almost dying by yourself in front of people is like, you you figure stuff out pretty quickly. Yeah, you learn like, all your weaknesses. Yeah. It's like it's super fun and it's also horrifying and all the good things. Yeah. Um you, the the record you just mentioned with uh uh Stephen Begahold. Yeah. And Matt, Matt Munts and Sarah Manning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's out already, right? Yeah, it came out on Friday, August 23rd. Um and this is the tour that I'm the solo tour that I'm doing to support it right now, um, where I'm kind of, I came up through King, Kingston, New York, I'm in Toronto tonight, Hamilton, Ottawa, Montreal. Um, and so by the end of like the tour, it will be a week since it's released. And it feels like it's been a long time since yeah. it has been released, even though it's been a couple of days. Like when I put it out there, it's like, okay, it's out there and like i'm just like thinking about like the next thing but i realize i still have to kind of like nurture it yeah and like take care of it and like let it find its audience uh where did you record it uh martin bc's studio called bc studios it's um actually quite a legendary studio if you look it up online you'll see that there's like a lot of history to it it's been around for um 35 years cool and uh Martin started the studio when he was 19 with Bill Loswell and it was backed and uh, a a lot of the help and the work that went into the studio uh, was done by Brian Eno. So Martin was working with Brian 
um, when he was 19 years old, like learning how to slice up tape and stuff. And uh, he did like a lot of those Sonic Youth albums and Swans albums, and also uh, John Zorn, like all those free jazzers, uh, U.S. Maple, which I didn't find out until right before we went into the studio that one of my favorite U.S. Maple albums, Talker, was actually recorded at uh, BC Studios. That's cool. Yeah. And it's an interesting studio, too, because it's not your typical studio. It's just... um, this cavernous cave in the basement of this old factory warehouse and um there's a very distinct smell to it and there's also a very distinct sound that the drums get in that room because of the cavernous effect um that the walls have uh in terms of like reverb and sonic sound Mm. yeah was that like a is that something you noticed after the fact or was that like a specific like that was a specific you, thing. Oh, yeah. And also up. Martin has become kind of like a mentor and like friend of mine. And he's been really supportive of me and my other rock band stuff that I was involved with, with a reverie in my rock band, Essie. And, uh, um, I, I didn't know you were in a reverie. I, I played in it. F- I, I, yeah, I play like guitar in it. She kind of has her guitar cool. players. Yeah. Um, I know Ben Murphy pretty well. Yeah. Ben is a friend of mine. I love Ben. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, how many shows are you in on the tour now three no this is my second one tonight oh this is your second one well I guess like I played a set in Brooklyn on Monday so yeah this is my third show Um, what are you noticing playing solo that this condensed together like well Monday I was playing quartet oh I see so last night I was playing solo um I'd be curious like this is my I was really nervous last night and I wasn't expecting that but I know like as each show progresses and stuff that the music is gonna progress and my comfort level and the risk that I'm like willing to take um will happen because of that comfort in the material and the development of the material in a live setting right yeah and also the transact is just like the greatest vibe yeah like, and then this is kind of like a friend's bill because a lot of the people on the bill are people that i went to school with um and uh a lot of us are from western canada right um so i'm looking forward to that yeah it's gonna be a good one yeah um last night i was playing in front of matt Maneri and he was sitting right in front of me <laughs> nice. like for the first part of my set so I, it was not like a comfortable vibe at yeah. all <laughs> Is your, are you streaming your record or just Bandcamp? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can stream it for free on Bandcamp. Right. Yeah, I don't do Spotify. Um, and I feel like iTunes is becoming kind of a dinosaur format for music at this point. People yeah. are moving on from that. Yeah. yeah. I think iTunes is disappearing pretty soon. It's disappearing, yeah. Yeah. I, I like Bandcamp, though, because of... Um, the fact that they pay more for like they give you a better cut yeah. than the other streaming platforms and um, I like like the social aspects of it like I've discovered a lot of really good music and I think that their editorial section that they do the Bandcamp Daily section is like really good and they kind of kind of touch on the music that doesn't really get the credit that it would in other press outlets right. and they're kind of like covering the niches that 
you wouldn't really expect to see on other media outlets and music and you get to explore like all kinds of music from all over the world and connect with people and like it's gotten to the point where like i actually have like a band camp budget every month so that i can go every month and just kind of like splurge a little bit yeah yeah that's cool i should work that into my life your quartet Mm -hmm. is that a new band or like how long have you guys been that band has been around for less than a year um i've been playing with matt munz the bass player for uh seven years now he played on my first trio record with him and nick frazier that we recorded in toronto three years ago and i released two years ago um and then sarah manning i became friends with on facebook and uh we started hanging out and playing music this past year and we also are really passionate about cats so (laughs) we kind of bonded over free jazz and cats and then nice. Stephen Bagold, he uh, is really good friends. There's this whole group of musicians that came up through Detroit and Michigan that are like in their mid to late 20s. And uh, a piano player named Michael Malice, who still lives in Detroit. I did the Banff Creative Workshop with him in 2017. And he, um, he even though he's still based in Detroit, a lot of the people that he went to school with eventually made their way mm. to New York. So that's how I linked up with Stephen was through Michael Malice. I linked up with him basically the same way. Like I went to Banff with people from Detroit. Yeah. And then found him through them. Stephen? Yeah, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. We played a couple times, but it, like this was like closer to the end of my time in New York. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure we would have played more, but I'm here. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> do you have any plans to play more with that band in the near future? Or um, it depends on money because I I pay my band, and um, like releasing this record, which was which was completely self funded, and then my SE record, which was also completely self funded, and now we're going to be going through that album cycle this fall. Um, I'm trying to like figure out the logistics of how I can make it happen. Yeah. Um, just because albums are really expensive to make and uh, it's really tough to uh, keep on getting further and further into the hole <laughs> yeah. if you're not like working to like make up for it. And um, But like I hope to like apply to like with this record, get a little press so that I can start applying to some festivals so that I don't have to pay my band out of pocket and I can actually... Uh, book some gigs that have some sort of guarantees and stuff yeah the dream <laughs> yeah i mean like if if i I'm, i mean this band doesn't play out that often if i can just get like one or two gigs i'd be happy yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but like i'm also like on to like writing other music now at this point um like i said earlier like once the album's out like i have this thing in my head where I, like i'm checked out and i'm like okay on to the next thing and i don't really give it the t- nurturing that it needs to kind of um, further expand and grow musically after the initial recording. But yeah, we'll see. I, I just like also want to just start writing new music. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to like, I mean, the hardest part is money. <laughs> yeah. Like getting, keeping a working band together. Yeah. Is so tough. But also like developing like that musical bond with playing with people regularly is a really amazing thing to have too yeah for sure yeah and hard to find it is hard yeah but um 
I mean, you guys found, like, the record sounds like you guys have been together for quite a while. Like, it's a pretty... Yeah, we only had three rehearsals. That's crazy. And one gig over the course of a year. But I also was very, like, specific. Like, I send very specific, like, songs to listen to and things that I wanted to happen musically with it. Like, that dialogue outside of the playing and communicating my vision. Um, I tried to make as clear as possible as well before hitting the studio. And also, like, I feel like they practice a lot. Like, I know Sarah, like, worked on the music a lot. And, like, she did an amazing job, even though we had only been playing for, like, less than a year. Um, I feel like me and her already have, like, this great energy that, and, like, this language that we kind of bounce off of with each other that is really fantastic. And, like, I really appreciate um having that musical connection with her but i also really appreciate having another woman in the band <laughs> to like sure. balance it out yeah. it's really nice yeah um so at like i maybe should have done i mean i didn't do enough research but like hearing this record uh-huh. i totally assumed that this wasn't the band's first record oh really yeah that's funny well that's good then yeah yeah good job band yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice work <laughs> um who have you who have you studied with? Uh I studied with Jim Head and Bobby Cairns. Bobby was the head of the guitar program at Green for a couple decades. And then he retired after my first year and then Jim took over. And um Jamie Philp was my private instructor at Green. So I had three teachers there. And then I went off to Sex and that's where I linked up with uh Victor's because he was teaching a workshop there and um i love him yeah he suggested for me to come down because he teaches at the yeah. too and uh he suggested for me to come down and audition for the master's program at Rutgers. and uh i did i told him i can't do it next year because it's too expensive but you'll see me the following year <laughs> because i had a lesson with him yeah uh when he was out in Ganesh teaching for those few days that he was there and uh I got into the program the following year and they had a little bit of money for me and I really enjoyed studying with him. And then obviously, like I feel like a big impact on my musical development was the Banff Creative Workshop, which I was lucky enough to do in 2012 when Dave Douglas was the director and then 2017 when Vijay Iyer was the director co-directing with Taishan Sori. Um, I feel like outside of like jazz school, like jazz school was like the fundamentals and like the practice time and the uh, Banff Creative Workshop, even though it's only a three week course, was like the eye opener into like how, we, how you can like work towards being a musician and an artist. And I feel like that was like the most beneficial education that I got out of like my six years of like formal institutionalized education. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I learned, yeah. Banff was pretty life changing for me yeah um in a lot of ways in like i think it like even my year was a rough year and like not a lot of a lot of people like really weren't getting along it was like a really (laughs) weird vibe the year i went (laughs) that happened my second year too (laughs) Um, but i learned like the possibilities of like i i don't think i really understood how good you could get at music and how hard you could possibly work at music. Like Mm -hmm. 
it was super eye-opening being around Tyshawn and like yeah and he's such a good teacher too the best he was my first year at Banff in 2012 that was his first year teaching there and the first week um it was me and Chris Pruden in his combo and uh he uh brought in his music he was still like doing a lot of like field work type stuff and um, he brought in his music and he's like, so how's your sight reading? He like threw the music on the music stand. And it was just like nine, eight, like 11, eight stuff with like all ties, no down beat. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then we, we tried and he's like, okay, we're just going to play free the rest of the week. But um, he was really good at directing the bands in such a way that like he pointed out our weaknesses and made us like, like feel our shame about our weaknesses to like make us be motivated to work through our weaknesses but he was also really great at like opening us up to like be inspired like in the moment to like create music and like really open that other aspect of our musicianship where um we're just like reaching beyond what we think we're capable of and just trying to like make things as musical as possible mm-hmm. yeah yeah, he like. I can't say enough good things about that guy. Yeah, did you have conduction ensemble when you were there? Yeah, yeah. Who were you like? Did you have a like a? You mentioned that you sent recordings to your band as like sort of reference points. Mm. Um, do you want to talk about the the things that influenced this record or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm the type of person that when I listen, sometimes I get obsessed with like very specific songs or very specific parts of songs and um like getting back to Taishan uh I mean like the the broader spectrum of like listening material that I sent um and I love Taishan's music but I especially love his Cohen album with Thomas Morgan and uh Todd Neufeld who's one of my favorite guitar players my trio record is I just stole that record. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that record a lot. That record, like, there are times when, like, I'm walking through New York and it's just, like, the lowest of the low. And then I just put that record on and it's just, like, the first few notes of Todd's guitar playing in the song Awakening. It's just, like, okay. Like, it's very restorative listening for me. And um, so I sent that record. I really love that record. Um, and then... I also was listening, I love Matt Maneri and his playing. Uh, The piano player is slipping my mind right now, but there's a record with Matt Maneri and Evan Parker and a piano player that just came out recently. And I can't really remember the name of the record, but I can email it to you after. Cool. It's in my email. It's not the one with Craig Taborn, is it? No, no. The piano player i feel his name starts with like an l hmm. I'll, I'll look it up for okay. you um i really like that record so i sent that record too um and like i would send like full records and like the full record get that whole vibe condensed into like this one specific song um like that kind of idea but then i also took very specific songs and it's like the overall vibe like i i'm not only do I do like a lot of jazz and stuff like that, but I'm super involved in like the rock scene in Brooklyn. And uh, I'm a really big fan of bands like US Maple. Um, 
and the guitar playing in that band like I haven't done it yet but I would love to like do something I sent that record for the drums to get the vibe of the drums Mm -hmm. uh just because they were recorded in the same space like sonically get like my drummer in the headspace of what the room sounds like and the drums and what I would love the drums to sound like um and I, I would love to like kind of like work towards like guitar playing like those US Maple guitar players, but in like a very jazz and improvised context. Right. I think would be really cool. Like decaying, like um polyrhythm or not polyrhythmic, um polyphony guitar playing, like d- guitar riffs that are like rock guitar riffs, mm-hmm. but they're so strange and like abstract and they kind of weave in out in and out of each other. I think that would be like a really cool concept in terms of developing some sort of style musically on guitar from that specific type of guitar playing and intersecting it and applying it into like jazz music and jazz improvisation um so i really like that album talker by us maple and uh another band that like i've been like really really obsessed with is uh this heat i don't know them. they're really good they put out two three albums in the late 70s uh, and they're a british band it was a trio uh one of the members died so there are only two members left and um this album's called deceit by this heat and uh the whole record's amazing like they were way ahead of their time when they recorded it and put it out there and um i i was lucky to go see them play in brooklyn this past spring at Le Poisson Rouge and they brought it was the drummer and uh they brought two drummers four guitar players bass player like they expanded the band and uh Alex Ward was also one of the guitar players in the band but he doubled on clarinet and he's one of my favorite musicians out there right now too um so I went to go see that concert at the end of March and uh, on top of that just listening to that like album for like a couple years now and then by the end of March, I was going into the studio in May. So I was just like so fired up nice. um, after seeing them live and like getting to see that music because they basically are done at this point. They're not going to tour anymore. Their last show, um, they did, did a good, like a farewell tour in the States this July, which I didn't get to go see them this time around. But uh, the music is like... They, they have elements of improvisation in it, but the song structures are really unique. And um, there's just like such a heaviness to it um, in terms of the intensity, but it's like subtle at the same time. Um, so I feel like elements of like that kind of music, even though this is a really mellow record, <laughs> mm. uh, uh, in context with ends like in relation to that record, um, I was definitely thinking about that in my head when I was like writing this music and like kind of trying to find like some sort of like passive way and interjecting it into this music even though this music is a lot more slower paced and lucid than that album on Deceit by This Heat. Yeah I think you I think you like you captured that intensity though like yeah but it's a subtle intensity yeah it's it like you just use the word mellow. It's it, there's a mellowness but, to yeah. this record. Yeah, there, there's a pacing of it. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's not 
yeah i mean i like now that you're using that word i i totally agree with you but yeah it's not a word i would have used after i listened to the record i feel like this is a mellow record in uh, comparison to the other stuff I do, right. okay. <laughs> like Essie. Yeah. Like if you go check out like my other bands, like in a Reverie that I, I play guitar in, or like Essie, or any of the previous work that I've done, um, yeah, this is a mellow record. Right. Oh yeah, I guess in contrast to <laughs> yeah the other things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're you press it on vinyl, right? No, I have uh, only CD, um, but when i initially was promoting it i the painting i did the album artwork myself and so the painting that you see of me like with it posted online Uh, on like my social media is actually the original painting that i did i see i thought it was a vinyl it looks like vinyl yeah Yeah, but it's yeah so that's the original painting and i press it on cd and digital and i hope that's like the next cycle like this is my sophomore record that i can kind of step it up to at least get some label support or something next go and like press press some vinyl i mean se we press vinyl this time around it's so expensive it's crazy it's expensive so it's like this album was coming out this month as he's coming out next month it's like i had to choose which record was going to get the vinyl yeah 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 it's tough i uh i mean i just put out a solo record and i decided to do nothing (laughs) just make download cards and that's cool too though yeah, it's 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 tough the world that we live in to not do physicals, but yeah, just based on like sending it to people and reviews, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know if the people that I'm not convinced that my audience would find my music through reviews anyway. So that's true. I, I feel like reviews are tricky because I also do my own press. Um, and press is an interesting thing because it's so hit or miss. Um, and this is my first time working of, with a publicist who also happens to be the label owner for Essie. And so um, I'm learning new things navigating through this, working alongside a publicist, whereas my first album, Coalesce, I literally found a jazz improvisation Facebook group and just like posted it. Be like, hey, I'm, I released this record. And then some random blog picked it up called uh oh dave tremblay what's it called can this even be called music it's slipping my mind right now yeah i think it's called can this even be called music is the blog so he posted it and then it kind of snowballed a little bit where scott murphy picked it up at heavy blog is heavy i mean and that's a heavy like a metal website yeah <laughs> but they do a jazz section yeah, that's cool. and so they were posting it and then i just um sent out to some emails to like some blogs that I really admire like jazz right now Cisco Bradley does a lot of really good community work in the jazz scene in Brooklyn and New York and then um Avant Music News uh Mike does a lot of work with like writing reviews and also like reposting stuff so I just like find like if you reach out to people and you're genuine with your intention in terms of like being a fan of what they're doing and understanding that these people that are writing about this stuff, it's a big time commitment and they have to listen to like the album a couple times. And if that's like an hour of music, that's three hours and then they have to spend another couple hours like writing yeah. the review and editing it. And then also they have to like think about the music. Yeah. So that's like, a, you have to be very patient and appreciative of people's time. 
and then even that like even reaching out and asking for even just like the list listening stuff like that you just don't know if you're going to get a response um and the reviews like they do have traction to outside fans but at the end of the day um one of the things that i tried to like really think about even though it's really hard for me not to and like i get a lot of ego and insecurity that get in the way of it <laughs> sometimes it's just like just like the effort of putting the music out there is enough and the generosity of creating something that you're willing to share with the world is enough and the expectation that you should get return whether it be press or like accolades or like better gigs or like a bigger fan base base is not something that should be expected right just because you're putting it out there yeah yeah for sure um i've only like i guess i I use the same sort of approach like yeah sending to blogs that i appreciate and all that yeah because you're kind of it's like a very um symbiotic relationship and uh, this music is so obscure to begin with, and it has such yeah. a small fan base that, like, if you're not if you're expecting something from the community to give to you, you have to be willing to give back to the community at some point. Whether, like, for example, this is like a podcast that you're doing, like you're giving back to the community through um, talking to musicians about like their music, so that other people can discover it, um, and then also like having that said that like they're also probably going to check out like your music too and like there's always this like intersection of like the back and forth and the exchange of this stuff so that the community stays strong totally it's like uh yeah i just got like i started this because i felt like i was just getting nervous doing nothing or something (laughs) (laughs) i just like didn't know where to put my energy or something but like that the uh i don't know if like my people find you and maybe your people find me and then yeah. like if if our people find each other somehow yeah down the twisted internet rabbit hole i mean that's that would be i mean that's cool too yeah even just like people just taking the time to listen to music is really special yeah yeah, yeah. can't be uh i mean can't thank those people enough you know yeah Um, His time is the most precious thing. 